Hi and hello watch fans. Welcome to the Real Time Show. My name is Alonman Joseph. I'm here with my co-host Rob Nuts and I am super excited because we are graced by the presence of Julian Tournard, the CEO of Zenit Watches from La Loc. Hi Julian. Hello to both of you, Rob and Alan. How are you? We're very well. We're very pleased to welcome you to the show. It's been a long time coming, but one we've been looking forward to for quite a while. Isn't that right, Alan? Definitely. Definitely. Far too long. Far too long. <laughs> Way too long. Julian, we have a lot of ground to cover. I know you're extremely busy, so thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to sit down with us. My pleasure. First of all, congratulations on the novelties you guys launched in Singapore earlier this month. During the LVMH Watch Week, how were they received? Extremely well. To be honest, it was not a surprise because we knew uh, the watches we presented were quite um, expected and waited for by the markets. But I have to say it was fantastic to be finally back, uh, you know, without any screen between us, see our partners, show the watch, touch the watches and, and really, uh, uh, no, 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 it was very well welcomed. So uh, a great moment for all of us. Congratulations. So I'm extremely happy to have you on air because I have a very, very high esteem and regard of you, not only because you do a tremendous job at Zenit, you did 17 years long at Vacheron Constantin, you moved around with them. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you started back in 1997 at Raymond Weil. So you are the watch industry. But I'm a big fan of you, not because of your work, but because you are one of the nicest and most passionate watch CEOs in the industry. Julian, where do you get the energy from? And where does that passion come from? Uh, first, thanks for the compliment. I'm happy it's a podcast because I'm almost blushing. And you know, it's, uh, it, it, it would be embarrassing. No, no, thank you. It's very kind of you. You know, but first of all, I mean, uh, uh, my, my, my way of behaving, of, of interacting with people, uh, my passion, these are, I mean, I've always been like this, you know, uh, even before my time in the watch industry. It's my character. It's probably the way I was raised by my parents, but this is what I like. I like people. I like people from different cultures. I like to meet people from all over the world. So that's, for me, the, the, the biggest source of energy. And, of course, uh, getting into the watch industry, I, 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 I learned to love watches because I was not born into watches, but I learned to love watches. So if you mix the two, it's, 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 just, it's just normal. It's just, for me, uh, the way I wake up every day. And uh, I don't make any effort for that. Again, again, I was so excited to meet our friends in Southeast Asia. And the week after, to go to New York to meet our friends from the U.S., um, so yes, it's a pleasure, you know, and I'm, I'm part of the lucky ones that wake up in the morning, uh, super happy to go to work. So that, that's where it's coming from. Very simply. I truly believe that your vibe attracts your tribe. And I had the honor to meet several of your team members, including yeah. your amazing PA Delphine. So this is shout out to Delphine because <laughs> I had a lot of contact with her as well. And, and it's literally you, you are positive and you attract positivity. And I want to use this segue also to the brand Zenith because I have El Primero's already, uh, since the nineties. I had right. the honor to professionally work with Zenith, starting with Cherry Nataf, yeah. the legendary, of course, and, 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 and <laughs> creative Cherry. And, and, and we had amazing parties. He did. A lot of good things, also things that 
didn't last the, the times um, of watches going to the full Jean Frederic, who's now today mm-hmm. at Rolex, Aldo Magada, amazing guy. True. Um, maybe less lucky with Zenith. Um, Cherry took it extremely. I think what he did well was the open El Primero calibers, the crazy tourbillons with the stars. Um, Dufour took it more classic. Then, obviously, the godfather of watchmaking in Jean-Claude Biver uh-huh. was rather brief at Zenith because he did oversee the watchmaking division for LVMH after LVMH bought Hublot. I think his stroke of genius was getting you on board in 17. Okay? So he, 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 I know you guys were friends and he really believed in you. I know he plucked you away from, I think you're in Asia for Vacheron Constantin, correct? Exactly, exactly. I had okay. been, I had been seven years in, uh, in Asia. Yeah. And, and, and a lot of people tried and some with more success, some with less. I take the stance, the personal opinion that you really took Zenith back in the last five years to the highest point in the constellation, which means Zenith. You literally took the name back to where it belongs. Julian, what is your critical success factor? I think I know, but I'm very curious what you think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, first of all, you, you mentioned, and it's good to go back into history, you mentioned quite a few of my predecessors. And, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's easy to get on board and say, okay, what has been done before is not good, and I'm going to be the one to fix it and make it right. I never took this this angle, never ever, because I strongly and sincerely believe that every single of the person you mentioned get and did something positive for the brand. Uh, and and if you take each individuals, they had their own personality, their own style, and they 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 did. I only keep what they did positive for uh, the brand at that particular moment. And starting from that point, it's much easier to say, okay, let's think about what has been good, what has been the right way to do and what we should maybe change a little bit. And then you find a, a, a new way. And that's exactly what I've been doing. The brand had been stretched in quite different directions. And, and to some extent, uh, the, the first thing clients told me is that they were a bit lost with Zenit. They did not understand Zenit properly. And for me, today, we don't buy a, a necessity good. You, you, you buy something that brings you emotion, passion, and you don't get emotion and passion unless you understand what you're buying. So my first objective, and that was very clear with uh, Jean-Claude Biver, was to draw a line where uh, where we were and where Zenit has to go for. And, and how we do that, uh, and you mentioned the people working with me first, it was to get the right people on board and with the right mindset. And that's my day-to-day priority is to have at Zenit the best atmosphere we can have. And honestly, I'm, I'm so proud of the people we have because today uh, we, we all work hard, but we have fun and it's done in a very, very good atmosphere. That's why people put efforts and energy uh, into what they, uh, what they achieve. Uh, then coming back to where we are with Zenit, and you are right, uh, we worked very hard over 17, 18, 19 to uh, put back on track the, what I call the fundamentals, uh, which means from a, a website to a social media, digitalization, distribution, retail concept, of course, products, marketing, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to put them back on track because there is no other way you can, you can, you can expect to have a, a growth if you don't have those fundamentals right. And then 19, seven, 19, uh, 2019, sorry, we celebrated the El Primero, and this is when I felt that 
we were at the turning point. So quickly after COVID comes by, we say, okay, that's tough to have COVID when you are a recovering brand, but it's, it actually helped us to accelerate the transformation. And we came out of COVID-21 uh, in uh, much better shape than I had ever imagined. And immediately the result uh, followed. Uh, and, and without mentioning that 2022 is an is a all-time record year for Zenith. But beyond the numbers, it's more about the brand equity. And I think this, this value, this brand equity, this brand image are really the big uh, uh, milestone for us because now we can feel that the sky is the limit and we have a, a lot of things to move on ahead of us, but we can go much, much higher uh, than, than where we are. So, so again, again, uh, great history, strong authenticity. These are things that people look at, but express it in the 21st century. And that last part was probably the one that was missing. Zenith was often perceived, uh, people used to call her uh, uh, the sleeping beauty or a little bit the dusty brand. Uh, you know these words. I hated to hear this because I say we live in 21st century. Even though you have 158 years uh, today of history and a great heritage and, and a real manufacturer, uh, because as I often say, Zenith is one of the few brands that can say 100% of our watches are equipped with the Zenith movement. We have to express it to 21st century if we still want to appeal uh, to our clients uh, of today and, and also younger generation. So that's that's very much the, the work we've done on this third aspect is to 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 show Zenith as it should be uh, in today's world. And 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 the, again, the recipe I think is uh, was only possible with the right mindset and the right people, and that's um, we are proud of that. Yeah, very happy. You actually hit the nail on the head, in my personal opinion, because I praise both Zenith and you and therefore criticize the majority of watch brands today that they're lazy. And what do I mean by that? They are stuck in the vintage-inspired retro vibe. You guys um, had a difficult task. You had a difficult task in your whole teams because, as you mentioned uh, respectfully about the predecessors that they did a lot of good things, which I said as well, indeed. But you had so much pressure on your shoulders to A, turn it around. B, I guess it's a lot of pressure with so much pedigree and heritage and a caliber that's the hero of a brand to to get stuck in that limbo and the trend of the Swiss watch industry, which is yep. the retro vibe. You sure. pushed it hardcore out. I love the Defy Classic, the Defy Skeleton, I mean, the previous ones, the new ones, and the, the chronograph with the L Premier 21, I think was one of the best contemporary watches out there. And what I love that you guys did now with the revival of the Chronomaster original, you could have laid back, you could have used the 400 caliber, and I think it would have been an equally instant success as you've done now with the new improved 3600 caliber. Why did you guys innovate? You technically didn't need to do that. Yeah, again, you're, you're totally right because the El Primero is the El Primero, but the El Primero must uh, stay alive. It, it, that it should not be a museum movement that we had in the past. Uh, first of all, uh, one of the first questions, and you mentioned Jean-Claude Biver, uh, for whom I have a lot of admiration and, and who's done a lot, uh, beyond the fact that he trusted me 
at some point, um, uh, we, we, we're still in good relationship and he was very, uh, he's very proud of the success of Zenit. By the way, he mentioned it to me a few weeks ago. He asked me, second week, I think I'm at Zenit, he asked me a question. He said, Diel Primero is so strong, is more known than the product line, is even to some extent more known than the brand itself. Is it a strength or a weakness? And, you know, Jean-Claude, I cannot wait two days to give him the answer. So he's not very patient. I had to answer straight away. And I told, you know, it's a great asset. How many brands would dream to have an El Primero in their uh, heritage? But we need to build from that asset something that's new, that's innovative. And the second moment, which was very important, is when I met the people who made the El Primero. And this... My, I'm, I'm still happy about my idea and my initiative that day to call back people who made Dear Primero in the 60s. That was back in 2019. I, I met those gentlemen who were uh, all in their mid-80s, in their mid-80s, yeah, and they came to me and they told me one thing. They said, Julian, we created Dear Primero. It's great to give tribute to what we did in the 60s. Yes, fantastic. We are proud of it. But don't forget that we were looking forward, we were looking at the future, we were super innovative, dynamic, etc. And these are the genes of the brand. These are part of the DNA. So continue to do that. And you should never be embarrassed to launch a revival watch next to a very uh, cool, hype, uh, innovative, uh, DeFi, uh, DeFi extreme or whatever, you know. And that balance between uh, uh, the past and the future is actually, for me, uh, the key to keep a brand with a long heritage, alive, and, and turn to new generations. So that that's really the way we have a we have a structured our our strategy. Yeah. And one of my favorite watches are the the Phi skeleton full carbon. Yeah. Extreme in carbon. Yeah. We have the the Phi chronograph with the L twenty one in carbon. And you guys don't sit back. The the Phi skyline. I want to talk about that, please. So you took the 3600 as a chrono yes. caliber, and then you guys came up last year with the 3620. So I I still call those calibers the Three Hands Elite. I don't think yes. you really use that name anymore. Um, So where did that come from and how was it perceived? So what you guys did is the 3600 caliber obviously beats at 5 hertz, so 36,000 per hour. But you made a three-hand watch where the second hands runs very fast. How did it work for you guys? So, uh, you know, the idea was really to capitalize on the strength of the El Primero because many of our clients, they say, okay, I want the magic of the El Primero, but I want I don't want a chronograph, for example. You have clients that ask us this first. So again, it's because I spend a lot of time on the markets and I listen a lot to our clients that I got this feedback here and there. And coming back um, to the manufacturer, uh, we worked on how can we decline the, um, how can we develop the El Primero in the three hands, but not in a way that you have nothing telling you that it's an El Primero, because I think it would be, it would be almost a waste, you know, to, to use an El Primero and not to show this high frequency magic that Zenit is so proud of. So that's how we worked with this, saying, okay, we're going to have a second hands, uh, small hands. That's basically like a watch, huh? that's not really useful. It's just about an animation, a decoration, but that for people who know a bit about watchmaking will have the hint of, oh, this is the El Primero. We can feel, we can feel the power, we can feel the speed, we can feel the energy of the El Primero with this 
uh, one tenth of a second uh, small hand. And that was the way you get the elegance of a three hands, but you still have the power, the magic, the, the myth of the El Primero inside that watch. And that's, that's how we basically uh, worked on, 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 on this um, skyline that you mentioned with the 3620. Uh, and beyond that, we said, okay, this is the technical aspect of the watch. We wanted to add more of the Zenith spirit. And that's why we came with this uh, four, uh, four side star logo that we uh, incorporated on the dial, on the tapisserie that we have uh, on the dial, as well as this uh, dodecagonal bezel that, bezel that was coming from the 60s as well and the original um, uh, D5 from those years. So we really worked on the 360 to say, okay, how can we have a, a contemporary uh, D5 skyline that has an El Primero? Uh, and, and the magic took immediately because when we launched it a year ago, it became uh, almost overnight in the footsteps of the Chronomaster Sport that was launched in 2021, a uh, 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 top, top, top bestseller, bestseller of the of the company, yeah, of the brand. Yeah, that's wonderful because I you gave me a beautiful bridge and segue right now because I wanted to talk Chronomaster Sport now. Yeah. So the bomb last year was the Defy Skyline and Le Canon, as you say in French, in 21, yeah. you guys rocked the world with the Chronomaster Sports. You didn't in, only entice the media, but collectors went ballistic. As a retailer, I, my waiting list still, Julian, is very long. Me, myself, and my brother are ourselves on the waiting list. I still don't have it. So where did the idea come from? Yeah. And why is it such a good success? Well, you know, uh, the idea was quite simple. When I came on board, we had just launched DeFi. And uh, DeFi gave me basically business, immediate new business, immediate new contemporary image. But I, I, it would have been a big mistake to rely only on this and to sleep on it because Chronomaster is such an important, iconic product line for Zenith. It's the one we think of when we think about the El Primero. So uh, DeFi gave me time to rethink about the strategy of Chronomaster. Uh, and during those years, and I'm talking already 17, 18, we worked on what do we do with Chronomaster? How do we bring uh, new blood on the Chronomaster without hurting, without damaging the, 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 the DNA of the brand on that particular product line? And then what we did is quite simple. We went back to our original watchers from the A277 that we that was launched before the El Primero, even in 1965, to the Rainbow, to the Deluca. And we took all those vintage watches with my friend Romain Marietta and we looked at all the details and we literally pick uh, different things from bracelet, buckle, bezel, dial uh, on different uh, of these watches, from different of those watches. And we, we, we made attempts and we made, I think, four or five different prototypes until we found the right balance of what should be within the Chronomaster collection, the more sporty, the more contemporary aspect of it. So, of course, we launched the original, which, which is, if you want, a classic, uh, a classic Chronomaster, uh, thin, elegant, uh, you go for this one. And if you want something a bit more sporty, a bit more younger and contemporary, you go for the Chronomaster Sport. That's not more uh, complicated than that. And, and yes, you mentioned the, 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 the ballistic effect. In my 25 years in the industry, I never had uh, such a crazy launch because when we launched it at midnight, Swiss time and I went to bed and I woke up at six and I had so many emails 
coming from either West Coast US who had not gone to bed yet or uh, Far East uh, clients who uh, were already awake for a few hours, I realized that we created uh, something incredible. Incredible is an understatement because you could say, ah, it was COVID, people were stuck at home, um, it was something new, hype, oh, let's get on the bandwagon. But thank God we're out of COVID now, or it's still out there, but with no lockdowns, we're going to a sense of normality yeah. and it still, still endures. I mean, not only us, but when I travel, you guys are a success because what's my measurement? Looking at stocks of retailers in their windows There is not enough, and everything that comes in goes out. So, and it's all over the collections. Now, I want to talk about something else. Ladies, a lot of brands ignore ladies. Yeah, you guys make amazing female watches, and what really, really stood out for me, inspired me, under your Horizon initiative. So, the initiative for inclusiveness and and, and sustainability and equality. You guys launched Dream Hers, I think, two years ago. Yes, exactly. Please tell us what it is, why you guys came up with it, and what's the mission, vision, and strategy. First, I just want to make a small comment on what you just said when you mentioned female watches, because Zenit, again, in a very innovative spirit and 21st century thinking, we basically removed the selection by gender uh, a year and a half ago uh, from our websites, in our catalogs, everywhere. We decided that as a brand, we make beautiful watches from different sizes, with, without diamonds, different animations. You can perceive it as a more feminine than another one, but we, we don't, as a brand, qualify them as for men or for women. We strongly believe that today our, our job is to make beautiful watches and we are not the ones to decide if it's for a he or for a she. So we made that switch. And, and, and within this change of mentality, which, by the way, happened already in many industries, but we're the first one to do in the watch industry, uh, we... Uh, rebounced on our brand philosophy called Time to Reach Your Star, which is about achievement. It's, it's about the journey to achievement. Uh, that basically uh, was a mindset already present in our uh, founder, uh, Georges Favjaco, all the way to Charles Vermeaux, to Felix Baumgartner. All these gentlemen, they had an incredible dream and they went for it, hardworking, uh, to achieve uh, their star. Um, and we decided, why don't we create a platform called Dreamers, that's basically dedicated to women who have been achieving something incredible in their respective fields. Often, if we are honest, in fields that were easier, in a way, for men to perform in than women. And we created this platform where these ladies can express themselves, um, talk about their ups, but also their downs and their, their tough times, but explain how they did go to reach their own star. And believe me, having uh, done the first event in Madrid and more recently last October in Singapore, these women are so inspiring, uh, the way they, they tell their stories on stage in a few minutes, that whether you're men or women, you can only, it can only inspire you to, to push your limits and to go beyond in your professional, in your business, in your uh, uh, personal, private lives. I think it's, it's a great, great um, uh, Uh, platform that we are developing now uh, further this year, asking them to become, um, to, to, to work on a mentoring program for other people. I like the fact that you guys didn't go for the 
Hollywood popular celebrities, the mainstream, you went mm -hmm. actually very deep into a niche and took out exceptional ladies there. And what I actually love the most, Julian, I compliment and salute you for that because you are very personal and you are very much about your team and you've proven that with your website because you put your female team members on the Dream Hers page because I spotted my dear friend Rebecca McDermott Oh yes, on the yes. page, and and <laughs> I don't even know any other hotel luxury brand that puts its team members, besides maybe a management team, on the website. So you run very deep with that. Yeah, it, it's been done sometimes, but uh, mostly with watchmakers, you know, to show uh, the watchmaker behind the brand who's making. But I think it's watchmakers as well as other talents uh, should 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 have this kind of visibility because they are as important as uh, anyone, including me in the company. If we're not all together, there is no way uh, we can do it. And, uh, and I'm proud to, to also have these women giving a testimony from inside Zenit, how they live the, the Zenit life. Um, you know, it, it's interesting. The other day, I realized today that we have uh, two-thirds of our brand managers, and Rebecca, you talked about, is one of them, are women, you know, two-thirds. And and uh, when you talk about cosmetic fashion, it's quite it's quite usual to have a lot of women in management uh, positions today. In watches, historically, it's still been very uh, masculine. And um, to be very transparent with you, it was never a quota objective because I'm against quota. I only select the best candidates. But the fact is that we've been attracting more and more talented women to join us, and I'm very uh, happy about that. I think it's also a way to show that the brand is is innovative, is contemporary, is 21st century. Uh, so that's, that's an important aspect of, uh, of our direction. Do you see more women emerging in the watchmaking side of things as well, in the more technical roles, or is it mostly on the management side? You know, uh, both. An hour ago, I was having a meeting with one of our uh, production uh, uh, leaders, and, 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 and she's a fantastic woman. She knows a lot about technique. She loves it. Alors, when you go to technique, the majority are still... Uh, male employees, but we have more and more women getting into that, you know, and, uh, and whether from the, from the team perspective or the other day, I had a lot of comments about this direction from um, women clients who told me how much they appreciate the fact that now we don't make any difference in our watches and we don't create a watch like we, we like brands used to do, you know, courts, Quartz and diamonds for ladies and uh, mechanical, mechanical, automatic or hand winding for men. Uh, this is almost perceived as discrimination today. So I think it's, it's very important to, to take this direction. Yeah, again. It's good to hear that there are a lot of women in that side of the industry as well. And if you are a young woman or man or otherwise that wants to become a watchmaker for Zenith, what would you suggest that they do? Where should they train first or should they come directly to you and will you train them on the job? I would say, of course, the first thing we look is the watchmaking school that they went through. And uh, and, and and then after that, uh, if they are skilled, if they are uh, willing to uh, to work on a, in a technical brand uh, where we have high standards, uh, it's fine. But more than anything, it's about the mindset. If they are willing to learn, uh, we have some that already have experience from other manufacturers, fine. So we try to zenitize them. Uh, and then uh, we have also some that come just out of school. And and sometimes it's easier because they get out of school with all the, the right principles, the basics of watchmaking. And then they learn and they practice immediately on our zenith calibers. 
So I would say um, we have a very good dynamic and we have a, a good mix of um, experienced uh, watchmaker, master watchmaker. And um, it's not always obvious in the, in, the, in the watchmaking mentality, but the ones we have are very uh, open to share. And when I say to share, it's not only um, about the brand and the company knowledge, but it's about their own little touch, their own little experience that will make uh, uh, the caliber different at the end of the process. And, and, and that's something, it's a lot about transmission and sharing. And, and we, had a, uh, we had a workshop on that with our watchmakers one day, and they were all happy to say it's our proud pride sorry, to share with the young talents joining. So now we, we have a good dynamic. The, the difficulty is to find watchmakers because, of course, we all uh, live through a shortage of skilled watchmakers. And I encourage uh, young uh, teenagers uh, finishing school to uh, join us uh, because it's a beautiful job. We need way more. So good question, Rob. And amazing that you said sanitize them. Rob and I uh, immediately uh, liked and laughed. <laughs> and I want to say as a retailer and a Zenith authorized dealer, it really works. It's not a marketing mumbo jumbo what you guys are doing because we literally sell, for example, the Chronomast original mm -hmm. equally to women and men. Mm -hmm. um, the Phi Classic, easily men and women. So there is really gender fluidity going on. So compliments for, for not only uh, seeing that trend, but coining it as the first one. A question we got a lot from our listeners, dear Julian, is how are you guys going to tackle these tremendous waiting lists? They're eager to wear these watches. So what's going on? Are you guys scaling up? Can you find watchmakers? What are your bottlenecks? First of all, I think uh, we've always said luxury is exclusivity, rarity, yes and no. And when I say that is, of course, it's exclusive. And by definition, uh, a, manuf a watch manufacturer is, is, is exclusive. But um, it should not be created on purpose, you know, and so we don't do that on purpose. I, I don't like that. I'm not in favor. I don't think in the long term it's a good thing. I think we should satisfy the clients in a reasonable uh, time frame. Uh, then we can debate on what reasonable is. But uh, in Zenit views, I, I, I hope my clients don't wait more than, than a few months if they have to. I think it's already a waiting time that's enough to, to show the rarity and the exclusivity. So first of all, we work on satisfying our clients. This is, this is a priority uh, and not on creating artificial uh, demand around, around the brand. Um, the second thing is, as you know, we are, Zenit is one of the last few brands. I'm talking volume brands. I would, I would exclude, of course, the, uh, our friends from uh, independent brand uh, that can say 100% of our production of our Zenit watches are equipped with the Zenit movement. You know, we don't buy external. It's a strategy. I'm, I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying it's our strategy. So, of course, when you put yourself such a constraint, you are limited. You are limited by the number of caliber you can produce per year. And at the end of the day, by the number of watches you can, uh, you can sell to your, uh, to your, to your clients. So that, that's it. That these are the limitations. Of course, I'm working on developing the production because I know there is a big demand, but it will be done step by step because priority is on, on the quality priority is on the long term. Um, and, and I believe our clients understand it and they really appreciate that. You know, we have more and more clients coming to the manufacturer, visiting. And as each time I'm here, I'm going down to get to meet them. And I, I have the same speech as I just did to you. 
and and they really value and appreciate that. So that's that's the way we are. So yes, I'm sorry. There is a bit of a wait for some of the watches we have. Um, is it good for the brand? Maybe to some extent, but it's not an objective. And I, I really want to work on on satisfying people uh, that are waiting for one of our watches. You know what I'd really like to see, and this is just a personal preference because I was absolutely amazed by the visual result when I saw it in real life for the first time. It's the multicolored ceramic bezels on the Chronomaster. How on earth did you perform that technique? We looked really closely at ceramic bezels recently in a recent episode where we discussed Rolex's techniques and Omega's techniques for fusing ceramics, but that bezel that blew my mind. How did you do it? Uh, it was a, it was quite of a headache. Huh? It was made basically. It was made in three parts. You know, it was made in three parts, and we managed to to get it together. But it was a. It, that's why also it's a boutique edition. It's not uh, not to give it to our partners, but it's a lot because of the difficulty to get this rendering in a very balanced way. Because it's actually the the the, the counters on the dial that spreads all the way to the to the bezel, and that effect, the visual effect. Uh, was very key from the first drawings we did. So okay, it's 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 a big it's a big constraint. You know how much ceramic is difficult to work on, and uh, and 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 we are we have project on different things to come in ceramic, some colors, some things here and there as well. But it's a it's a it's a big headache for production. So we go uh, we go step by step. But that one was a yeah it was quite of an exception for us, and to make it this way. Uh, uh, is 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 again to show uh, an innovative uh, aspect of the the, the tricolors uh, subdials that we are known for for many years. Yeah, that, that's amazing. The tricolor, yeah. taking it from inside out. Now, I want to ask you, please, to educate our listeners about why Zenit is allowed to write pilot on the dial for your pilot watches. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting uh, point, and uh, Zenith had been known for pilot watches for quite a while. Uh, one of my predecessors came back in a very good way uh, with the, the pilot uh, that we know now uh, to 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 reoccupy in a way this territory that uh, that belonged to Zenith for a long long time, uh, not exclusively but belonged to Zenith as well uh, with the Blériot story and all that. And at that time, I mean, early in the 20th century. The pilot world had been protected, had been protected by the brand. And we basically uh, uh, own it as, as any brand name or any uh, collection name. Uh, so that we are the only one uh, with the uh, P-I-L-O-T, the English word, to have the, to have the right to put pilot on the dial. So it, it's an important collection. Again, that was relaunched a few years ago in a very vintage uh, direction. And that, uh, without revealing any big secret, you can expect uh, in the footsteps of uh, DeFi and Chronomaster to have a big comeback uh, soon uh, with much more contemporary approach and always keeping a revival uh, little uh, tribute, but with a contemporary approach because Pilot is a very, very uh, important uh, product line in the Zenith history. My favorite was the blueprint dial yeah. that you guys made a double layered yeah. Yeah. Uh, dial, and then last, I believe it was launched last year's, is the sterling silver type twenty. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're lovely. So I'm very, very excited to see what you guys are going to do with it and take it. Can we see them during Watches and Wonders in 
March this year. Yes, you will. And, and you know, these two, these two watches you just mentioned were basically preparing the transition because the pilot in bronze and aged steel, again, were very much uh, vintage, a little bit turned to the past of the pilot watches and bringing, bringing the blueprint and the silver were actually preparing the more contemporary, innovative approach that we are finally, uh, that we will finally show in a few months or even weeks from now at Watches and Wonders. Um, and I invite you to, to, to come to the booth. Of course, we'll see you there to see really the, the, the thematic and the whole, uh, uh, pilot direction that Zenit is taking this year. So it's a, it's a very important, uh, subject this year. Yes. I am already scared what, uh, <laughs> uh amazing watches you will. <laughs> will launch and therefore create waiting lists again. But I'm very excited. Taking it to the last pillar, the fourth pillar in the collection, the elite. Yes. Is that next year or are you mixing it up and doing novelties and innovations all over your pillars? Because I think the elite is one of the most elegant, stylish, and value for money manufacturer dress watch out there. True, 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 true. And again, you know, uh, you anticipate, but uh, you are right. Uh, we basically, uh, as I said, huh, DeFi came back. We developed DeFi over the years since 2017. Chronomaster came back very strongly in 2021, as we just discussed. This year is going to be also about Pilot uh, coming back. But I, I don't forget Elite. Even if now the classic two hands, three hands segment in the watch industry is a little bit you know, in the shade compared to the sporty uh, steel uh, watches. We have seen this phenomenon for a few years. I We know it's about cycles and we know an elegant, thin, uh, well-proportioned watch is always something you want to have in your collection or in your in your dressing because it's it's it's, it's beautiful by, by, by essence. It's probably the purest uh, of a watch. And I strongly believe there is a future for these classic watches. It's coming back. And we are working hard on that. We are preparing on that. Um, I, I won't give you too much, but uh, I can already tell you that last year we launched with a great success um, a few of our, uh, this very special edition in collaboration with Kari Vutilainen on the 135-0 for observatory uh, exceptional timepieces. Uh, that were sold uh, very rapidly. Uh, one was at auction. It was also beating records for us. So all these elements can make you think about a 135 caliber, the commercial one that we had years ago between 1949 and 1962. It's also something we should explore because this caliber uh, is an incredible caliber. And next to uh, an El Primero, it could be a subject for further developments. And, and, and another thing, don't forget that in 2025, we will celebrate the 160th anniversary of the brand. And uh, uh, the team and I have been working already on this big celebration for a while. So you can expect something big at that time. Voilà. That's all I will tell you. Otherwise, I, I say too much. <laughs> I can't wait. Um, I, know, I know we don't have much time anymore. And, and I love listening to you. And, and I get all excited. I want to interject a few personal questions. So you are young. Your energy is very young, but you're already the 26th year in the watch industry, if I don't count wrongly. What are the highlights of your career? 
And what would you have done differently knowing now what you know? Oula, yeah, that's a great question. I mean, uh, young, uh, yes and no. I'm 50 years old. I was, I was 44 when I took over Zenith, which was quite young for CEO position. No, it's been a, it's been an incredible journey. I mean, yes, 20, 26 years now, 25 years still. Uh, I mean, one of the key thing has been, and that was my original uh, ambition, is to get this career through um, different cultures, to get to know different people. And that goes back to discussions I had with my father at that time, who, who had been working in, in, in Switzerland all his life and always told me, you know, Switzerland is a great country, but sometimes if you stay here, if you only work with Swiss people, it can be a bit narrow-minded to some extent and all respect to my Swiss uh, compatriots. But uh, it's great to open up to the world. He always gave me this advice, which I actually did on a personal level through sport. It gave me already this, this feel of let's meet other people. So the fact that I, I, I was lucky to meet people who trusted me and offered me positions in America, in Hong Kong, in Asia, uh, and then, of course, uh, the position here at Zenith, gave me this opportunity to, to, to know the world. So it was not only from a prof professional perspective, but personal enrichment that goes all the way to my kids now, because they are much more international than I was at their age. Um, I think this is probably um, something I'll never forget. Uh, and then, um, obviously... It goes both ways. People give you offers, trust you, give you opportunities, but you have to catch them. You know, I often hear people telling me, I would love to go abroad. It's great what you did. You moved, you left your country. You didn't know anyone, the new one uh, you settled in at some uh, stage of your life. Um, but you know what? When the opportunity shows up, they don't catch it for many reasons. Ah, it's not the right time. It's not this, not go for it. Don't hesitate. Go for it because you don't have so many opportunities. And, and, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's important to have the right mindset uh, in line with your objectives. So for me, it was, it was, that was a, a great experience. Should I do things differently? Yes, I could, but I, I hate to have regrets. I'm someone uh, still looking forward, looking ahead of me. So I'm still believe I'm still looking at what still can be done in the future in my life in my career. Then looking back backward and try to change things that anyway I, I cannot change. You know I, I think uh, I have a lot of gratitude and respect again for people who helped me, trusted me, uh, a few people that became kind of mentors at some stage of my career, uh, and I prefer to look forward than look look behind. That's a brilliant, optimistic message and a very inspirational point upon which to end. Thank you very much, Julian, for your time. We we can't wait to get you back on the show, but we'll see you before that in Geneva at Watchers and Wonders, I'm sure. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you in person. And yes, if any of our listeners have questions for Julian about Zenith or about anything else about his career, then please get in touch with us. You can contact me on Instagram at Rob Nudds. That's R-O-B-N-U-D-D-S. Or you can contact Alon at Alon Ben Joseph, A-L-O-N-B-E-N-J-O-S-E-P-H. You can send us emails at either rob at therealtime.show or alon at therealtime.show. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another Q&A and another interview. Until then, stay safe and keep on ticking. <laughs>